The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! We're back for episode 82 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, and Paul has returned. Hello, hello. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing all right, just working on stuff. Been doing good. Is this an episode we've been trying to do for the last, uh, what, three weeks now? Something Seven like years. this? Seven years. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm your host, Lee Russell, and of course we're joined by Paul, and uh, we're going to be talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and we're going to be talking about Night of the Creeps tonight before we get into that though we've got a couple comments so i'll go through those really really quick uh mike murphy from the badasses boobs and body counts podcast says in relation to our uh, cleopatra jones tnt jackson episode he says cleo jones good cleo jones too not as far as tnt jackson goes it's a bit bland so much so that uh, the director santiago would make the exact same movie later and call it naked fist aka firecracker a far more entertaining effort starring the ruggedly handsome Darby Hinton and the beautiful Jillian Kessner. The Kung Fu is, is still bad, but Kessner's topless and fighting. Yes, thank you, please. He says, I'd like to see you cover it at some point, and I'm sure we will. Sounds right up our alley, so... Uh... I don't know. Naked fist just sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any actual fisting in it, but who knows? we we got, we got to find out. Oh, okay. For, I was going to say... For science, we well, have to yeah. discover it. it yeah, for science. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, James Murphy from the Pex Lives uh, podcast. And this is a question I think we'll answer as we actually do the review. But he asks, uh, Halloween 3, best plot of the entire series? We'll find out. We'll see what our opinions are of it. Is there anything you've watched in the last while, Paul, that you want to talk about? or? Um, I haven't watched too much because of, I've been busy. But I did watch The Wave, which is a Nor- Norwegian film. It mm-hmm. came out uh, 2015, I think it was. And it's a disaster-based film based on a tsunami kind of a thing after a mountain has an earthquake. And I think I've heard of that one, yeah. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's a pretty good film, obviously. A little bit sometimes uh, bits and pieces of the film are like, yeah, would that really happen? Could someone actually survive that? You know, moments like that. But, of course, it's it's hugely character based around a small family you know that that is you know and then everything works around that it's kind of like a, basically exactly what they did with godzilla they they focused a lot on the humans mm-hmm. and and you know and what the situation they were in and it works good in the way not so much in godzilla for me yeah because in godzilla you actually want to see fucking godzilla more than three seconds no giving a crap about the people just show me godzilla yeah, yeah exactly but in the wave it does work it's a good film obviously it's subtitled but it's good Right on. Um, I've got nothing to really mention. I haven't really watched anything that I can remember that's been any good. So uh, I guess we could just uh, move right on to our first film. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. 
how peaceful it looks. Most effective, your majesty. We'll destroy this earth. Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hell Ming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. This podcast takes no shortcut in producing outstanding content. How they haven't become more widely recognized is beyond me. I love this show. Smart commentary, in-depth interviews, and great production. It's obvious how serious these guys take their podcast and bring that next level of professionalism that anyone would be hard-pressed to match. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school 
horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick... <laughs> Thank you, come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Libsyn, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com.
We're going to be talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch from 1982. about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking you? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cockers? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it. Halloween. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. The night no one comes home. Directed by Tom Lee Wallace, uh, who's probably also best known for directing Fright Night Part 2 and being the original Michael Myers in, in mm. the first Halloween. Written by Tom Lee Wallace, John Carpenter, Nigel uh, Neal, who uh, is famous for doing uh, the Quartermass films and the Abominable Snowman and the Witches for Hammer Studios. Um, although he would later have his name taken off of uh, the script once they doctored it up a little bit. Starring... The man, and by the way, this is kind of, I don't know if we planned it this way or was just just by accident that we were doing a sort of a two-four of uh, Tom Atkins films tonight, so. Uh, I think I was, uh, it was something that was previously mentioned, well, we should do this film too, and he goes, oh, we'll do it together. I think it was one of those deals, it was like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what about Night of the Creeps? He's like, well, okay, and you were like, hey, let's do them together. I'm like, hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Atkins <laughs> as Daniel Chalice, Stacey Nelkin as Ellie Gimbridge. Dan O'Hearley as Connell Cochran, Michael Curry as Rafferty, Ralph Strait as Buddy Kuffner, uh, Jadine Barber as Betty Kuffner, uh, Brad 
Schrader as the little bu- as little buddy, uh, and Grand Stevens as Marge, Nancy Keys as Linda Chalance. Nancy Keys also known as Nancy Loomis uh, from the first Halloween as well. It was Annie in that? Uh, Jonathan Terry as Starker, Alberry as Harry Grimbridge, and Wendy Westberg as Teddy. I have a IMDb synopsis here since we don't have Daniel to give us uh, one of his synopsis. So, Silver Shamrock, a mass producer of Halloween masks, planned to kill millions of innocent people worldwide by placing pieces of a stolen boulder from Stonehenge into small tags and attaching them to the masks. When children all over the world sit down to watch the Silver Shamrock advertisement, terror and panic will spread. Dr. Dan Chalice investigates a series of bizarre and horrifying incidents that begin to unfold before Halloween evening, and he comes face to face with the sinister figure of Connell Cochran, maker of the evil masks. Yeah, I think that kind of sums up the general. Yeah, idea. basically, that's exactly what I remember from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a lot from the movie, but that's exactly what I remember from the movie. And then Tom Atkins screaming into a telephone. Yeah, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you watched this, though, Paul? Uh, first time I watched this was probably when I was about nine about mm-hmm. nine or ten in that area because previous to that i already watched uh, you know how you know the halloween one and two with my dad growing up a few times and then you know of course then i was like okay well now i'm in the movie theater by myself at the movie rental place okay what do what do i see so it was about 10 i think uh and... i didn't and of course i expected michael myers like everyone mm-hmm. else apparently did and was bummed out that he wasn't in there apparently like everybody else and that's why he came back in part four yeah. So, how do you feel about the film, like now in general, compared to being now? Disappointed? I don't mind the film. I like the film, and the only problem is they they did a, a marketing and and film line change in an odd way. Because if you do part one and then you do part two, well, then that's already setting the audience up for continuations. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Oh no, everyone's supposed to be different." I'm like, "Well, one and two wasn't fucking different, you know." But now. I, I get what they're trying to do, and I know why they went back to the forum of the original parts. But, you know, part of me was like, wow, I wonder if Halloween 2 could have been a different film, too, if that would be an interesting kind of film series, but not related. Yeah, well, I mean. from what I understand, Halloween 2 wasn't even supposed to happen. It was supposed – they didn't envision a Halloween 2 in the first place. Uh, apparently, okay. apparently – John Carpenter was like given a lot of money to basically come back and oversee Halloween too. You know, he didn't direct mm-hmm. it, but to, to come back and oversee it and I guess write the story or whatever. But, uh, and that helped him finance like whatever he was filming at that time. I think escape from New York or something like that was around right. that time. But, um, yeah, after Halloween two, it was sort of like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill who who produced uh, Halloween 3 and in the, in the first two Halloween films as well. It was sort of their idea that, well, if we're going to keep this going, let's make this an anthology uh, franchise where every subsequent film in the in the franchise is a standalone film based around Halloween to some some respect. Uh, but it's, you know, Michael Myers clearly died in part 2, so we're not bringing him back. And I mean, when you when you when you think about it, uh, Halloween Part One and Part Two. That was around a time where people still weren't doing sequels, like slasher sequels. That still wasn't really a thing so much until like Friday the Thirteenth started pumping them out. Right. So, so it was still kind of a kind of new ground. So, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people were probably pretty upset that they didn't have uh, Michael Myers in this third one. 
I remember when I was a kid watching it, I was really confused. I, I rented it. Like I rented it. I shouldn't actually have been, <laughs> I don't think they should have rented it to me. I think I was a little too young, but uh, I think they had a, a rule 18 or over, you know, for restricted films, but uh, they rented it to me anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, I, about nine and 10 is when, you know, it was my mom would take us to there or she would just bring home movies. I remember the one time she brought home every faces of death they had when we mm-hmm. were like, and she's like, here, these seem interesting. You might like them. There you go. Have fun. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks mom. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. One thing I would say that was a shocker for me was in a lot of films at that time, at that age, the threat of child death, the threat of all these bad guys threatening to do this kind of stuff was just the threat. And then the good guy saved the day at the end. Mm-hmm. This film was a real shocker for me because of that, because it wasn't that kind of a film. It it didn't have those kind of happy tones. You actually got to see some, you know, some things that, like, as a kid, you didn't re- expect to see, if you know what I'm saying. That's just a kid dying, but a kid dying, like, really bad. No, <laughs> rotting inside with bugs and snakes coming out of them. And yeah. you're like, oh, what is happening, people? This is just twisted. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- these, this film has some... I mean, I I, th- I think anyway. Back in 1982, I, th- I think it came out in 82. Mm-hmm. This this still has some shock value to it. Yeah, and I think it's a generally a pretty nice mix of some different genres too. Like you got this sort of uh, overall kind of invasion of the body snatchers vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Even even the town that the the sort of company town that this mask making company uh, basically is totally runs or whatever, and all the employees live there is called Santa uh, Santa Myra, which was the exact same town in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, same name. Okay. And then you, you've got this idea of these android doubles replacing people and walking around. And at the same time, they're kind of like Michael Myers at the same time because they're very much the same kind of, you know, stalking, unstoppable, robotic, super but strong. Is that the, um, the Stepford Wives? Isn't that the same thing where they were replacing Step- the... Yeah, they're replacing for with, with robots that are trying to take over and things. And, yeah, yeah, they had different and and also this one also just seems like an an action thriller too at the same time because you get more James Bondy kind of yeah, in there. yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> the you know the cop, the good guy trying to find this devious madman trying to take over the world. It's it's just done in a very different way than a lot of other horror movies were doing things when this came yeah. out. And then it, and it injects that sort of um, supernatural element to it as well. Oh, the Stonehenge is definitely in there with the Stonehenge yeah. things, yeah. And un- the- unfortunately, I think they ran with that idea in the in the in the uh, subsequent uh, Michael Myers films to the point where he had all this. Oh, you got the, the thorn. thorn. Yeah, yeah. The thorns coming in. Oh, yeah. The Michael Myers I know is from Canada, so I don't know what the Mississippi Canadians <laughs> have. Yeah, but uh, it, it works here. Like, I think it's a good blend. Like, it, it, it's very much Invasion of the Body Snatchers with supernatural kind of stuff going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Good good effects, I think. I think all the effects look pretty good. The gore effects, mm-hmm. especially uh, that, that one lady who's in the company town there accidentally blows her head off with the, the chip. She's in her mm-hmm. hotel room there. And r- right around the time that uh, Chalice is uh, giving it to uh, <laughs> to the girl... <laughs> And they hear her die, and what was that? Who cares? Who cares? Just keep going. Yeah. The things that really hang on for me for this film was the child, the overall thing about Halloween, and just gonna take over it. It's a different concept on the on the how on the season. 
mm-hmm. then of course you know the the actual seeing the the snakes and the bugs and the rotting it's like oh that's just fucking stuck with me yeah. and of course tom atkins over the top always excellent performance He's 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 a real dick in this film though. Like he's yeah. he, he he's a serious womanizer by the way. Like every woman he he meets, it, it's like implied that he's had sex with them at some point. <laughs> like uh, the well, yeah, um, that's some you know some say womanizer, some people just say a real man. Yeah, a real like, man. That's a real man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 yeah, he is a dick. Like he. He he is uh, he does have an ex wife and kids and and when he when he comes to visit his kids and he brings those cheap Halloween masks you can tell he doesn't really like to see his kids like he's got this look on his face like oh, oh no, god damn it. yeah <laughs> how's it going he didn't <laughs> Here's accidentally your mask. play yeah he didn't accidentally play in traffic oh shit there you yeah. go yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah uh, I mean for me overall like this this movie's sort of got a critical reevaluation now you know like you, you can sort of see people um a lot of people in the sort of horror community now just go oh this is a stone classic you know like this is my favorite halloween film and and stuff right. like that and i think that's kind of overblown honestly yeah. no this is definitely a film i've always been able to take or leave this film mm-hmm. and it hasn't changed i appreciate it more than i did back in the day but at the same time it's still a take it or leave it film for me yeah and do you do you think it would have worked a lot better if it didn't have the Halloween name? Basically, it would have worked. Or there's probably two different things. If it was simply called Season of the Witch, I think it would have worked really well. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, if Halloween Two never actually happened, I think it could have. They could have grabbed the the concept a lot better. Yeah, these rotating films with the Halloween title. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. It does. I mean, this film does feel like a John Carpenter film in a lot of ways as well, because it's got a lot of his touches on it. I mean, just the soundtrack alone, John Carpenter and Alan uh, Horath co-composed this thing. And honestly, it's one of the better scores in the entire Halloween franchise. I think it's really good. Well, I mean, I mean, after the Halloween franchise, you pretty much have the basics. Mm. Like, you know, like, you know exactly what music should be in his and what in uh, the other one. So this one. This one is definitely like I want to watch a technically a John Carpenter-ish Halloween film, but I don't want to watch one with Michael Myers in it or something. You want to watch a different one, then you watch this one. But, but generally speaking, I think the money the money train is still with Michael Myers when it comes to Halloween, and I think that's why this is just one of those ones either you hate it or you love it kind of mm. film. This one did make money though. I mean, the budget was uh, two point five million. That was the same budget as Halloween two. This mm-hmm. ended up making fourteen point four million, but it actually the reason they decided to go back to Michael Myers in the next film for the most part is that Halloween two made twenty five million on its two point five million budget the previous year, and other top films in nineteen eighty two way outperformed this film. Uh, mm-hmm. Poltergeist had seventy six point six million. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three had thirty-four million. Creep Show had twenty-one million. Even you know the the numbers just weren't there for them to uh, reinvest in this anthology idea. Right, right. You know, I don't really have much trivia. Like there, there is a lot of trivia in this, but uh, I, I kind of feel like this is kind of a a movie a lot of horror podcasts have covered in the last little while. So <laughs> it's almost kind of redundant. To I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, the season just kind of passed through, and anyway, if you're going to do a Halloween film that. Generally speaking, you're not going to do one of the other ones. You're going to use. You're probably going to focus on three. Yeah. One of the ones that are a little off the off the kilter there. Mm. But I will mention uh, 
Jamie Lee Curtis does have a uncredited cameo in this as uh, the voice of the curfew announcer at the town and the and also, also the telephone operator. So oh, okay, well there is some the, trivia. Yeah, if you listen back to that, you'll you'll hear you'll hear her. DVD info for this, you want the collector's edition DVD from Show Factory, Scream Factory, also on Blu-ray as well. That's probably the best version to go for. I mean, they just go nuts with their re-releases of all these films. Like, I've got the uh, the Halloween 2 from uh, Scream Factory, and it's fucking amazing. They just, the amount of fucking stuff they put in it. So that would be your best bet to go for with this. Uh, do, do you actually own this, Paul, on uh, DVD or VHS? No, I don't think so. Okay. I only own Halloween. The only Halloweens I actually own are one and two. Mm-hmm. I own one, two, and four. <laughs> right. Well, no, I would buy four if I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought four because it was it was in the cheap bin. It was like, oh, that's not a bad one. So I'll I'll pick that up for five bucks. Why not? Uh, uh, Halloween four is the one with Daniel Harris in it when she's yeah. a baby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one too because I I like the over to, over the top end in that one with uh, Donald Pleasance. No! 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 no. Well, you can't you just you can't get better than that. That's awesome. In every movie, he should have just brought. He just should have kept bringing back what he said in the first uh, the first one. I shot him six times. I said we we always did that with a friend. I I I fed him six sandwiches. The man's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> my dad would just randomly do stuff like that like say stuff like that and he's like there's a beaver in that house like randomly say things <laughs> but it's always just screwed up you know he's always screwing up lines from Halloween because he and I grew up watching Halloween all the time he loves that film so I mean yeah that's yeah. it it's, it smells like death you don't know what death is you know all those things I love yeah. I mean Donald Pleasance is probably the reason I think I love those films as much as I do yeah all right. Uh, any any final thoughts you want to you, you want to give on this one, or we could uh, jump right into the next film? Well, another thing they could have fucking did was if they wanted to play off the Daniel Harris thing, is she should have been the killer in part five. I think that was uh, one of the original intentions as well. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was. Yeah, and then but... four like that. I mean, it makes sense. And then you know, then you know, you get the women's lib people would be happy then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on, give her give it give a bitch a break. Mm. So there you go. All right, I'm done. But they they fucked they fucked that series up by that point so badly. Well, that... I think it's like it's it, uh, Halloween has to be probably one of the most indecisive series ever because every time they were oh we're not going to do a Halloween too, but we just totally did it. And yeah, we're going to do this, and then, oh no, we're not. And then you know they've kind of fucked it up through the whole thing. And then you know the next thing you know, Buster Rhymes or whatever his fucking face is is like Fuck. punching is punching the shit out of Michael Myers and winning. Like, yeah. oh, well, you know, there you go. Why don't you just kick him in the fucking balls and make him howl like the Wolfman, like in fucking Monster Squad? Why not? Who gives a shit at this point? Yeah. I guess they're, uh, <coughs> they've got a reboot, remake in the, in the, in the works again. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Good. They got another one for Friday the 13th as well. So, <laughs> well, I mean, Halloween H2O basically had this, uh, a, a, a plot as thick as water. So, I mean, it was a good name <laughs> for that one. <laughs> but I actually liked H2O all right. That was that was way better than five and six anyway. Was it Resurrection? Was it, was it Resurrection Halloween? was the was the really terrible one. That was the one yeah. where they went to his house and set up the reality show. Yeah, the reality show and the thing. Oh, I fucking hate interesting concept, but not with Halloween. 
Well, they didn't do anything with it. I mean, uh, if you go no, back to if you go back to the original Halloween, where you look at all the interesting shots and, and angles and stuff that Carpenter was using, they could have transplanted that into Resurrection because you had all these shots of Michael Myers being in frame and the other characters not seeing him, and he'd walk by. He'd walk, stop, and look at the character and walk by, mm-hmm. and, the, and the character would just be totally oblivious to the fact that there's a killer in the house right next to him. Right, and I mean, always like, or just all the times he used to just drive by slowly, and no one yeah. realizes that that you know, that, yeah, that kind of thing. I like that and, stuff. That, and they could have used that with the like the the hidden cameras in the reality show format. They could have done that same thing. They could have they could have scaled that down to the to the hidden cameras, and you could have seen these shots of of the camera point of view showing Michael Myers. Oh, the camera's following some character walking down the hallway. Michael Myers crosses from one door to the other across the hallway. You know, mm-hmm. and the character doesn't know them. Like they could have done that shit, and they didn't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. So it's because they're stupid. They're stupid. They're fucking they're stupid. stupid in the face. Yeah, but yeah, my general thoughts. I think Halloween Three is actually a pretty damn good horror movie on its own. I think it stands stands pretty well on its own. Uh, you, you you throw away the Halloween fucking moniker, uh, which is kind of like a noose around its fucking neck, and it actually yeah, works pretty well. The Halloween moniker didn't do it any justice for sure. Mm. But at the same time, I don't get all this like incredible fanboy love for it. At the same time, like right. I think a lot of it's a little overblown. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever people have their personal opinions, and I'll respect that. But I mean, for me personally, it's good. But it's not mm-hmm. some lost classic that's suddenly been unearthed. You know, like a lot of people seem to treat it. So I understand. I I agree with that. Yeah. Why, Cochran? Why do I need a reason? Mr. Kupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft? To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. And... Happy Halloween.
It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Okay, so now we can move on to Night of the Creeps from 1986. The night of the formal is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. 
First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. And get into your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. They are a new breed of terror. different kind of horror. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. Night of the Creeps. If you scream, you're dead. Directed by Fred Decker in his uh, debut uh, directing, and actually only did two films after this as well. He did The Monster Squad, and then he did uh, Robocop 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so good, great. Robocop 3. Okay. Yeah, Robocop 3, end of career. Uh, well, it, not really. Not really. Well, end of directing career, anyway. He, he did a lot of stuff afterwards, writing and, and End of self-respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Fred Decker, starring Jason Lively as Chris, Steve Marshall as JC, Jill Whitlow as Cynthia, Tom Atkins back as Ray Cameron, Wally Taylor as, Delective, as Detective Landis, uh, Bruce Solomon as Sergeant Ramey, Vic Polizos as the coroner, and Alan Kayser as Brad. And you might notice uh, Landis, Ramey. Uh, if you actually look through the character list here, you'll see a lot of familiar names from uh, horror directors and uh, other luminaries. Go to the quick little synopsis here I pulled from IMDb. In 1959, an alien experiment crashes to Earth and infects a fraternity member. They freeze the body, but in the modern day, two geeks pledging a fraternity accidentally thaw the corpse, which proceeds to infect campus with parasites that transform, the, transform their hosts into killer zombies. That's pretty much accurate, yeah. That's very accurate. And yeah. uh, I'll tell you what, if you didn't know what to expect and you started watching this film, I wouldn't be surprised if the little aliens didn't make you go, I'm shutting this shit off. Yeah, aren't they a little they're a little silly at the beginning yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, but and then it in it but then it goes into just an actually well made and beautifully shot as far as quality goes film. Yeah, yeah, they you have this opening sequence with these uh aliens and these are these are all uh quote unquote little people, dwarves that they uh put in suits. And yeah, that, it's kind of silly. Like it, but it, it's it's kind of neat like it, it starts off letting you kind of know that you can sort of laugh at this movie mm-hmm. in parts, I think. So it kind of works yeah. in that way. But, I mean, as soon as you move from that, you move to this, like, more super serious kind of loving recreation of a 1950s kind of sci-fi horror movie where it's all shot in black and white. And and although the concepts behind it might be a little silly, all the characters take it super seriously. Mm-hmm. So it, it really sort of mirrors that sort of uh, way they used to make films back then. And I, I think it sets up the movie really well. Like they got a they got a guy who looks a lot like Tom Atkins, like a young Tom Atkins playing the uh, uh, the the young det- detective Cameron. And uh, what are your sort of general thoughts of this one, uh, Paul? When when did you first see this one? Was was this, this was, one? This was a little later. This was probably like twelve, twelve, yeah. thirteen in the area. But also, it's one of those. And the nice thing is, like I didn't, I didn't see expect and kind of piece together things automatically when i first watched it like how they have the flashbacks and the forward things Mm -hmm. and stuff 
and you you know get a little confused like who's this and who's that and I'm like, oh no okay okay this is awesome but this is definitely a film that is amazing it's just mm-hmm. one of those awesome films and it creepy as hell too yeah it also reminds me of the film slugs slugs yeah slugs um yeah. also slither that came out in 2006 slither. or whatever owes a lot to this film oh uh, yep yep and uh was it squirm yeah that would also I, I think squirm i don't know if it would oh well squirm came out before this one so yeah it's great that's right squirm came out but it reminds me i'm saying of, mm-hmm. of squirm you know so it's like okay this is fun this is different yeah um uh, but uh, it's kind of interesting because it's a different take on the zombie. It's it's what these films are. Ho- w- I wish some of these films would take a little bit more time and take. Don't just make a zombie film, make an intelligent but yet fun take on the zombie film like yeah. this did. And this one did a great job doing it. How they kind of eat and harvest in the in the brain and then come out when they're ready. And it's just yeah. And they and they make sure they do it in a very nasty kind of way. It's it's very nice. The, the comic relief as uh, his best friend's comic relief is amazing too. It really yeah. brightens up the film. Yeah, did you notice in the opening there of the aliens how the uh, alien that was running away had the zombified eyes? Mm, oh yeah, no, I didn't notice that. I just knew yeah. that he was. I thought he was a bad guy or something, and I wasn't sure exactly. But uh, so he was, he was so infected. He, he was, yeah, yeah, so okay. he had slugs in his brain. Yeah, in the brain. But yeah, it, it works because this this movie really mixes genres even more than Halloween three did. I mean, you've got you've got the sci fi sort of alien invasion almost kind of a plot. You've mm-hmm. got the slasher plot with the escaped homicidal killer in the opening of the film, uh, who mm-hmm. comes back later as a as a bot as a corpse. Then you've got basically kind of the cop thriller thing with with Tom Atkins' whole storyline as you know the cop who's on edge going nuts or whatever you know he's just that close to fucking snapping you got the teen comedy uh teen sex comedy romance thing like a, like a fucking john hughes film almost like with the two buddies basically just trying to score with the with the hot chick of their dreams in in college and trying to pl- pledge the fraternity and all that bullshit yeah so like it mixes all those things together and you're right, like, this movie does have, like, really solid moments of horror, too, amongst all the silliness. Like, it balances really well, I think. Like, his best friend, JC, it's kind of hinted at that he's gay. I don't know if it spells it out so specifically, but it seems like he's kind of like the, the gay friend who secretly has a has a crush on, on the main character. But, you know, he's just his best friend at the same time, and he'll never, you know, never act on that. But then he has that really sad speech that he records in, in, in oh, the uh, tape yeah, recorder. That's, that's the uh, that's the heartstrings getting pulled right there. Yeah. That was the and, one that's pretty rough, yeah. And, and how his voice changes at the end there, where the slugs are really starting to take him over. It's like... It's just like really fucking sad. So I mean, I think this movie balances that stuff really well. I mean, every time like Tom Atkins again, he comes in and he chews the scenery, but then there's moments where his shit just gets really dark and and really good too. And you see little hints of it. Like there's a point there where you see that as as he as he moves out of the shot, you see that he had the oven open and he had the gas on and he was gonna he was gonna stick his head in the fucking oven and commit suicide. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then uh, just uh, the way he was talking about the flashbacks about well, let's just say this and let's just say that so I blew yeah, let's just say I blew him apart with my shotgun that kind of yeah. thing I bear you know and uh, I well that in my, I get notes of a uh, little bit of uh, Return of the Living Dead mm-hmm. this film you know what I mean and definitely this film I didn't um, and Monster Squad also you can kind of see the similarities now 
um, after I watched them both. But definitely, this film is it's always got something going on. Yeah, this different one... twists and plots and things. And right when you you think, okay, now everything's gonna happen, then they bring the zombie back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Then they did have these like those little things. So that the zombie is the thing that reminds me of Monster Squad the most. Because the monster squad, the, the zombie kind of like walks by the car and like walks by people and they don't notice it. And then yeah. like you see it. And it always like, reminded me of the mummy. Mummy, yeah. Yeah, in the mummy and the monster squad. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like that because uh, they, they used a couple different things with that uh, with that zombie as well. Like he, in, in some shots, it's a person in like a full suit with with a mask on and then other shots it's an animatronic head on on a person as well like they they did some different techniques with them and it works really well like the all the different stories for a while you're not quite sure what, what's going on but they all do sort of come together and mm-hmm. you see how they're all related to one another and for for a first time film from Fred Decker it's pretty goddamn well written and comes together really well. But if if you listen to the commentary, he's just constantly going on and on about how many mistakes he made in the film. But you don't really see them while you're watching it. Like right, it, it's just him nitpicking <laughs> shit. But yeah, the only two the only two cheesy parts in the whole film, as far as I'm concerned, is the aliens at the beginning mm-hmm. are a little cheesy, cheese bally, and then when you see the horde of the the, the slugs in the basement of oh the, yeah. Beta house, and they yeah. kind of like very like you know claymation, stop, stop motion, yeah, stop kind of motion, thing. yeah. But other than that, I mean, like the the film in general is great. I like it, like when they when Atkins is like you know the slugs and corners through the through the mouth, and he's like grabbing them, fuck you, and just throwing them. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I just like the attitude. You go to go down, you can see him with the tape over his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's just totally badass. And this is actually, he's been uh, on record saying this is his favorite role he's ever done. And I mean, he, he's got the classic line that everyone quotes, of course, which is the, I've got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. And then a sorority sister goes, what's the bad news? They're dead. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. <laughs> They're dead. Yep, that's. A, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I always loved. I like how they even had. I don't even think. If, I think they might have actually used a real amputee for that one when he was dragging his, yes. his legs. You know, I think. Real sure. Yeah, and they yeah. and they, they mentioned in the in the commentary how you see him in a lot of shots and then in the opening of the film to establish that he's a you know a sort of a satellite character in the background, but of course you never see him from the waist down, so you just assume he's normal. So it makes the effect of him with the amputated leg later yeah. on more a little bit more effective. So right. you can see the thought put into a lot. Well, and then this one, this one still has a great bad ending. We're going for great bad ending films tonight. Talk well, <laughs> here's the thing: if you get, to, do you own this on DVD or VHS? I have a VHS and DVD. Okay, and I assume the DVD you have is it's not the director's. No, it's uh, just a just a standard DVD. I've had it for a while. It's interesting about the ending with this one because there is a separate ending to this. Originally uh, filmed with the ending in which um, Detective Cameron walks out of the house as a, as a zombie and then collapses mm-hmm. and his head busts open and then the slugs come out of his head and go to the cemetery and then an alien spaceship comes from the beginning and puts a spotlight down in the cemetery looking for the slugs and it ends mm-hmm. like that instead. 
But that's the one I have. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you have. Okay, because yeah. there's the other there's the other ending, which is the one where the two main characters after they kiss, they look down at the dog, and the and a slug pops out of the dog's mouth, and it mm-hmm. goes at the girl. That okay. that was the that was the end that was basically on most of the VHS uh, releases. The, the alien ending was for TV. So that's interesting. You, you have, uh, you have the, so I, I have uh, both, man. yeah, you have the intended ending and, and the, uh, the sort yeah, of compromise. I have ending. the old VHS. My actually, the VHS I have is a regular big, bu- regular VHS, but it actually opens like a book. Oh yeah. Yeah. It has like an, a swing cover opening thing. In, and cause it's a great film. I mm-hmm. have that. And then I, I want to give the laser disc version of it too, but my DVD version has the, uh, Tom Atkins head splitting open ending oh okay the dvd yep the nao and it's just like oh cemetery oh this will get fun let's see what happens yeah yeah it's nice it has a nice bad ending <laughs> yeah like... yeah and i like that ending too like that's the that's the more ambiguous one like oh what's going to happen now where as opposed to the cheap scare ending which is you know the this kind of bullshit like yeah the dog and that that the, the thing is the dog gag already happened yeah because the dog gag is the, how the 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 uh, the boyfriend got yeah. got it, yeah. So it's like, why do it again? Why do it twice? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. But should mention the the Dick Miller cameo. He's the, yes, the uh, Dick Miller cameo. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he's the he's the guy at the at the fucking police lockup there with, with, that uh, gets uh, co coerced gets coerced into passing over the flamethrower. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, uh, these these things—they they never go out. You, you they're never gonna go. You, once you get it, you can't get it started. It's a big pain in the ass. I'll tell you. Yep. <laughs> and just like in Chopping Mall, these damn kids. Yeah. Messes all the time. <laughs> I mean, Dick Miller's just a gift that keeps on giving. If you can get him on your film, then <laughs> at least you have one good segment in your film, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the. He, he did the cameo for the new Joe. I think it's Joe Dante who made Bearing Your Ex. He's in and that too. He's in that too. He, Is had, he? I was, yeah, because I was like, Joe Dante cannot make a film without Dick Miller in it. That's just not right. Yeah, and he yeah. and he was in there. I was like, oh my god, Dick fucking Miller. Nice. That's nice to hear. So yeah, I don't know if I have anything else necessarily to say trivia wise for this one. There I are mentioned tips. anyone wants to know that to watch it because there are breasts. Yeah, so briefly, far too briefly, Brief, but there are, far there are too breasts. Briefly, but there are in there, so it meets Greg's, you know standards so he yeah. can watch this <laughs> dvd info for this get the director's cut version from sony that was released also in blu-ray in 2009 the one i own that's got the original intended ending on and then it's got the uh bullshit ending that he had to reshoot as an extra and it's got a bunch of uh sort of cut <laughs> scenes which are all the uh sort of alternate scenes that he had to use for uh the tv version Mm-hmm. And all the all the all the versions, even VHS or anything, they're all in good quality. There's no bad prints. I've never seen a bad print. Of I've them. never seen one either. Yeah, it's true. Budget for this was five million. It did not make a lot of money at the box office. It it did. I I think it might have eventually made back its money on rentals and stuff like that over the years. But uh, its initial box office was only five hundred thousand, five hundred ninety one thousand dollars. So didn't do very well at the time. The score is pretty decent it's kind of an old school kind of score and then it's got a lot of 80s tunes in it that uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like this film a lot i i think i love monsters no you know what i think i like this better than monster squad honestly even I'm, though an monster... even, I'm an i'm an even keel on that one i like yeah. them for different reasons evenly 
Yeah, I, I think Monster Squad's the better made film overall, but I think that this one's more fun in a lot of ways, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, Monster Squad, I don't know how to, like, I hate I hate the Goonies with a passion. Same. So, <laughs> so I Monster Squad was my Goonies, if you know what yeah. I mean. So, and uh, so this Monster Squad definitely always has a place in the heart. I mean, but at the same time, if I had to pick a movie just to watch, I think it would be Night of the Creeps. Yeah, the only thing I like from the Goonies is the actual Cindy Lauper song with all the uh, <laughs> with all the pro wrestlers in it in the video. Uh, okay. Goonies are good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't even like Baby Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Day uh, of the Creeps I think is pretty fucking awesome. It's if you haven't seen it, you should be, should have seen it by now. If you're you should have seen it by now. Yes, yeah. You're not a total asshole. What a piece uh, of shit. Fucking piece of garbage. God damn it, Fred Decker should be allowed to make at least one more movie before he fucking dies, for fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. And something way better than Robocop 3. <laughs> I but, can make uh, the new new sequel to the no Robocop 3. Ugh. Because isn't there a new Robocop 2 already out? Well, there's a new Robocop. I don't know if they're going to make a part 2. I don't think it did very well at the box office, so... Yeah, well, maybe Fred Decker could handle part two of RoboCop the reason. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but... Uh, closer back to number one. But I think we're both in agreement that Night of the Creeps is probably the better film of the two that we... Oh, yes, absolutely. Covered. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely... It, it's for genre geeks like us, and and it's one of those ones where it puts all these references in, but it doesn't quite hit you over the head with it in the same way that a, like a lot of modern films seem to do now, where it's like, oh, look how cute we are because we reference uh, Roger Corman and shit like that. No, here they just, you know, it's just kind of cute, and it just kind of works, and it's a nice little love letter to all those sort of I'm drive-in sure, films. I'm fairly sure one of the last names of one of the actors in the film is Cronenberg. Yeah, Joe Whitlow's character is Cynthia Cronenberg. Her yeah, last name Cynthia is Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Yeah. Yep, yeah, because I... Because I was thought about Squirm when I watched the film. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, look at that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but Squirm isn't a Cronenberg film. Yeah, well, I just was thinking about different films, and I was like, Cronenberg. Now, is there a Raimi, you said? Yeah, there's a Raimi. There's a Sergeant Raimi. There's a Detective Landis. In the opening there, the uh, the road that the young couple are on is like uh, Corman Drive or Boulevard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Corman Boulevard. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Roger Corman. It's like, wow, Jesus. And the thing is, though, I don't find those hokey. I like no. those. That's the thing. Yeah. I like there's certain things about films when they try to do it that I don't like, but I like it when they do the little names, name dropping. Mm-hmm. I like that. That for some reason I don't know why. I'm usually a stickler about everything else, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess unless we have anything else we want to say about this, we can uh, sort of close it show here. Unfortunately, I can't stick around. I'm gonna go have some more fun. Yeah. Paul, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Facebook uh, and uh, YouTube at, at PA Brew News. You can find me at com or Oil Paintings by Paul Romelli on Facebook. Right on. And, of course, you can find all of our stuff at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our YouTube, iTunes, Facebook links. Join our Facebook group. There you can ask questions, interact with the community and you get all your comments read and uh, responded to on the actual podcast. And until then, I'm not quite sure what we're going to be doing next. Uh, who knows? Depends on what Daniel's uh, up to and uh, 
if if Daniel's not available again next time, maybe we can finally get around to uh, doing "Don't Go in the House" and uh, uh, what, what was the other one? Midnight. Uh, midnight. midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Midnight. Yeah. One we've been wanting to do now for over a month. Yep. Like yep, two months. Was, yep, for two months now. I got a chance to finally meet Russo. So. so yeah. Then, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for joining me, Paul. And uh, no problem. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff and links to various podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. Please join our Facebook group, as this is the best way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date with what's coming up on the podcast. We also can be found as part of the Oi Spaceman family of podcasts at oispaceman.com, where you can find various sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, Firefly, and classic sci-fi novels. If you decide to subscribe to us through iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a review. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>